You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. week's episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again, but it is in fact a very special episode this week as a joint crossover episode with the NRL Supercoach champions. Wilfred is on holidays, so what better time to get the bear Guy Feeney on board and um, to do a bit of a crossover episode than when Wilfred's putting his feet up and he's, he's going to let Guy have the run of things. So we got Guy on board, mate. It's your first time um, on the podcast with me, so really good to have a bit of a joint effort this week and a chat about things for the first time. Yeah, mate. I've um, I had a bit of a crack on um, Supercoach Talk. Now I'm coming on here. It's good to get away from Wilfred for a while, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, 2018 champion. It should um, it should be mentioned as well. Although a couple of years passed now, so Wilfred still brags about 2016. So you've got at least a good two years to still keep talking about that tag. Well, you'd think so, but I mean, my money's running out with me house, so I, I think uh, another title would be good, but I think I might be a bit far back this year. <laughs> well, you, you've actually gone, I thought you were going pretty well at the start of this one. I mean, you were one of the people that pioneered the uh, idea to bring Turbo and Teddy in pretty early on, and I think that was, I wasn't sure about it, I could see the value in it, I didn't do it myself, but um, it looked like a good call, and then you just got crueled by the, the Turbo injury risk. Yeah, that and then Teddy missed like a uh, a game as well in there. So um, I still think it was the right move. And or, or like as you see, it's all the points have come through the fullbacks at the minute. Like Gutho had his big game, and um, Pong has had his big game, even though he seems a bit quieter now. But um, yeah, I, I, I still think you need those two gun fullbacks in, and you, and you see people now scrambling to get. Tedesco in and he's costing you like the bet 915k or whatever he is so glad I got him in a bit earlier yeah for sure well um so have you got some um different goals now do you think that you're too far behind and make a real run at it or where are you sort of hoping for yeah I always say the top thousand I'll drop back another couple of thousand spots again I think I'm at 11k or something but um again it's all um real compact there around there so I think too far back to win it, but um, always that top thousand. I think is a good goal to finish the season. Yeah, for sure. I think top thousand is always sort of a goal that you can you can hit even from a fair ways back. Especially this year, I've chatted to Wilfred about it, but also Billy and everybody else that's been on the podcast pretty much are sort of in the same boat and agrees with me that it's a bit of a it's a bit of a different year. The swings seem to be really big, and the difference between like say the guy in thousands and you know fifteen thousands even even isn't that big. There's actually not as much gap as there was before, but it also really opens it up for the head-to-head teams, which I mentioned before too, because like, I, I don't know how much you sort of got into buy planning, but I'm sure that you did it a fair bit since you took it all out in 2018. But normally this time, like, I, I'm pretty happy to even just be um, top 5,000 at this point, I, I'd normally be pretty happy with, because you sort of iron off the buys coming up thinking, well, I'll get into the top 1,000 easy, and then even the top 500 sort of the week after the buy type of thing, and then happy days, you just go on your run, and you see all these head-to-head teams just start dropping like flies, but that's not going to happen this year, so it's, it's pretty different. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's an interesting year. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the the buys have become even a bit more easier even um, last year, uh, but, uh, it, yeah, I just I just think um, the teams will end up getting a bit 
the same as well. Apart from that fullback spot, um, like in the halves, I think you're probably going to have uh, the standard um, Cleary, and then your fullback, uh, your five eight's probably going to be like a Munster type. So. I think you'll still hear the sub, sub people coming up with the same, oh, the teams are all too similar, but when the player pool's this small and all the same play, the good players are always the same generally year after year, it's going to happen. It's just how quick you can get there. Well, I reckon that back line is a, is a thing that'll be different because you've got um, the fullbacks, like you mentioned, but also centre wing, I reckon, so volatile. That that's, there's not going to be a, a four guys that you're aiming for for the whole year in that spot, I reckon. I, I think it's going to be literally trying to trying to grab runs of 12 to 15 different guys and sort of, you know, latch onto those guys aside from the yows that are going to be at the top, obviously, but the rest, I think they're going to be pretty different. Yeah, and that could be a spot where you can um, trade in and out based on matchups maybe to try and um, make up ground. But again, like, I, I did that last week too. I, um, I, I played um, Tedesco, obviously, but there was no way I was going to captain him against Melbourne, so I... Put it on Ponga, who you'd think might have had a bit of an easier matchup, and then 19 versus 108. So um, <laughs> I, I definitely learned one lesson. I think my captain's going to stay on Teddy and not go anywhere. The, the speed of the game now is just made for him. He's unbelievable. Well, that's a good segue into this podcast. So for everyone listening, uh, we're going to go through our normal type of market watch that you guys are used to listening to with the All Stars podcast, um, but. We're breaking it down to the, the cheapies and the guns and the value guys and the pod guys that we can talk about for this week's trade market. After we go through them, we're going to do the, the game previews and me and me and Bear will go through the VC and C options and players of interest and predictions on those. So should have a pretty meaty one though because I tell you what, there's a huge, absolutely massive amount of player options this week as far as trades go and the trade market is insane. You know, there's uh, the traded out guys... Mostly make a lot of sense, but a couple not so much. Um, and the traded in guys, like there's some really good trading options that aren't even in the top 10. So let's talk about the guns first. And I'm, I'm not doing this to you guys just because I'm a, I'm a Roosters fan. I know you're a Storm fan. I'm not trying to stick it back to you or anything, but I've actually got as our first gun to talk about the entire Roosters team. Now, hear me out a little bit. I know that you pro- probably agree with me anyway, but the Roosters have got an incredible run of games coming up. Um, so they've got a backline that's obviously putting up a lot of points. They've got a lot of players that are very relevant. And this is kind of the week where you want to start to be getting them in. Uh, they're playing the Cowboys this week, and we'll obviously talk about that game in a bit more detail later. But aside from the Cowboys, I think that the big deal is it makes them very relevant at the moment to look at all these Roosters players. Is They've got Canberra the following week, and Canberra's actually struggled on one of their edges as well. Uh, but then they've got the Warriors, Titans, Dragons... And then they hit a tougher game against the Storm, but then they hit the Tigers and Broncos after that. So, you know, realistically, out of eight or nine games, they've only got two tough ones. And even Canberra hasn't been that tough of late. So it's a it's a really interesting draw uh, for the Roosters. And I'm one who I'm not... I, I try not to be hugely Roosters biased, and I'm somebody who started the Supercoach season with zero Roosters in their team. And at the moment, I've still only got two. But I want basically like seven at the moment. I can't get them all in. So it's a, it's a good one to talk about. And you mentioned Teddy. So let's chat about Teddy first because he's obviously one of the best players in the game. And he's someone who 1.8% of coaches are trading in at the moment. So he's the 10th most traded in guy. But he's going to cost you almost $930,000. Now, it's 
really volatile opinion on this one. Some people are, are into the trade and others say, no, it's not worth it. I'm someone guy who has the last couple of weeks talked about trading Teddy in, and I think it is worth it. And I'll put the caveat down that I think mere mortal players, even superstar players, I would not. I would say, no, it's too much money. But I just think that Teddy's in a realm all by himself, where, like you said, he put on 108 points against Melbourne last week, and that was against Melbourne, and he did it without scoring a try. Um, and then we're only a couple of weeks removed from him doing the highest supercoach score ever of 199 points. And when you look at his scores, three out of his last four, 100 plus. You know, if you discount round one, he's gone 63 and 85 of his two lowest scores. Like, he's just absolutely killing it, and he's doing it with ease, and he's got this amazing draw coming up. The problem that I see for people that are saying, no, no, I won't get him, and I've made this point to a few people online, is that you can go through the next six weeks and he's not going to be much cheaper. You know, And you don't want to find yourself a month down the track saying, shit, you know, I'm going to have to buy Tedesco and save 40, 50 grand on doing it, which is nothing, but miss out on you know two or three tons that month. So I'm actually, I actually think that it's a decent trade to make, but I am someone who planned for it for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, like, he could easily have, like, put up 100 this next game, and then if the, even if he's going to look like he's going to drop down, then go 160, and like you said, he mightn't, he mightn't even drop 100 grand, and you're missing out on these big scores, so I, I, I actually planned earlier to um, ride his price right up and then trade him out like I did for Widdop back in the day but um yeah I'm just too scared not to have him and if if that's the case I'm not going to tell people not to trade him in because he's going to put some points on it's going to be crazy the 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 way the game's playing now with the repeat sets and how quick it's getting around the ruck he's he's killing it I, I, I do I still think that um Ponga and probably um Turbo have that um, try assist in them that um, Teddy doesn't. But, mate, the way he breaks the line and, it, oh, yeah, get him in. If you don't have him, get him. Yeah, oh, I think so as well. I mean, it's going to be hard for people this week. Um, I, I do think that a strategy for it, which I was going to do this week, but a cheapie came up that I decided to jump on, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I, I had planned on, if I couldn't get him, I was well prepared to trade sort of two expensive guys, you know, even like, I don't have an arrow, but he's probably a good example, like nothing arrow and just nothing to a 170k jewel just to be able to do like a, a drink water to Teddy or something like that and just, just find the money by nothing someone. And I was well prepared to do that because I think that it's worth it. And we're at the stage of the season where you can kind of look at those type of things. But you mentioned that, you, you know, the captaincy options and stuff and that you'll probably just keep the captaincy on him a little bit when we were chatting earlier. That's the other thing. Like, you can't really put a price on, um, you know, say you save 50 grand, but is it worth 50 grand just to have a, a really consistent captain every week that is actually averaging 100 points for the season? Like, surely that's just worth just paying the premium for. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, yeah, that, if you're, if, if, I mean, you look at someone like Haas who went, he had another big week, 90, but he had the 60 or whatever the week before. And he's generally consistent around that 70-odd mark. So you could always put it on him. But if you've got someone who's scoring three out of four hundreds, like, just pay the money and get him in. Yeah, and look, Teddy's done that with a with a pretty relatively tough draw. Like, one of the things that I was... 
worried about as a Roosters fan is that our draw to start with was actually quite difficult for the first couple of months. And, and that was always a bit of a worry. And obviously the draw changed after the first two weeks, but it still remained quite tough. But this is where, this is our period that opens it up. So I mean, if he's averaged 100 points in a tough couple of months, imagine what he's going to do in arguably the easiest couple of months that any team has. You know, like, he could legit average 125 points as an average. So I just don't see any way that people can't be looking at getting him in. Yeah, and the only concern I see, and I think it's ridiculous that coaches do it because it's it's coming into the finals. You want to be playing 80 minutes leading into it. But if, if they start putting on big scores and think about resting him once final spots are locked down, that would be the only issue I can see about bringing him in. But... Even then, if if they're putting up big points, he's probably already amongst it. Yeah, I thought about that as well because obviously Teddy has missed a couple of games. I think one was the, the concussion game. I think was precautionary anyway. But um, one of the things with that that has probably helped Teddy's cause lately is the Roosters' injuries. So uh, unfortunately, we we don't have the depth anymore. So like we've already lost um, Bradley. We've lost our backup hooker in Verrills. Uh, we've lost Daniel Tupo for eight weeks after ankle surgery uh, today, I believe he had it. So we, we're already using guys like Ryan Hall now. And um, some young kids are actually coming through. Potentially we'll, we'll use a young kid for feeder, um, unrelated to the other for feeders, that's going to maybe come into the side in the next couple of weeks. So we just basically can't rest anyone because we're already using some second-grade players. So that might actually help us, I think, um, for Supercoach, that the Roosters have got those injuries and the fact that we dropped the first couple of games and lost to you guys last week, we've actually got the three losses despite how well we've been running. We're fifth on the ladder. And Trent Robinson is someone who, he might not care about the minor premiership anymore because he's got a cupboard full of them, but he is going to want to finish near the pointy end because you obviously get the advantage. Yeah. So let's move off Teddy, mate, because I think that we're both in agreement on that one. Um, let's talk about another gun, though. And he's one of my pre-season favourites, and I... Always say on this podcast, you got to you get that many wrong in Supercoach, even when you're pretty good at it. You got to spruik the wins because the small wins are what makes it all worthwhile. So one of my small victories was that in the preseason, I kind of said, you know what, I reckon Angus Crichton's going to be a starting edge back row. I reckon he's going to get 80 minutes, and Orbo's going to be used on the bench and stuff. Obviously, I had to wait a little bit because he was injured the first round, Crichton, but he ended up coming through, and he's currently the best forward in the game, averaging 86 points a game. He had a couple of weeks in a row in round six and seven where he put up 65 and 63 and it looked like he was kind of come back down to earth. But now he's still almost 700k and he's put up 92 points on your Melbourne Storm. And again, did that without a try. Um, had a lovely try assist, good face ball, cut out that uh, was a try assist, line break assist, but no try for himself. He's looking like an absolute monster for 80 minutes. And this run of his, you know, I, I could not say to people enough be buying Angus Crichton as the top forward in the game because I think that he's being ranked at the moment like he's maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth best forward as far as how people are talking about him and how popular he's been. Yeah, no, um, I agree, mate. And I've been big on him since South. Like, I think um, I I had a a crack at um, Sangster and um, Minicello that year when he had a bit of an injury saying, oh, why isn't he starting, blah, 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 whatever it was back then. Um, mate, I think he's he is an absolute gun. Um, makes his tackles, breaks the line, strong. Like, he's all you want in an edge runner, really. I think he's, um, 
and uh, you can obviously tell this season um, he's a lot fitter. That the injury last year might have lingered on a bit through the season, and I don't know. I I, I honestly think Robbo made a bit of a stuff up there by not playing him as much as he probably should have towards the back end. I think um, he he's far and away a better player than what Orbison is. So. Uh, it's ridiculous. Again, I, I still think um, Lolo and Madison, um, I'd, I'd rank those two above him only because um, generally those two are like the out-and-out best forwards on their team and um, the Roosters can attack anywhere, so any of their forwards could score on any given day. But, um, yeah, he he's a freak and he he's one of the options I'm looking at. There's two options I'm looking at. One of them is to get him in either this week or next week. So he'll be coming into my team ASAP. I'm just hoping, I think his break-even's like 92 or something this week. So yep. he could he could, he could could beat that versus the Cowboys. I'm just hoping it's not by much, so I don't have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is someone that you can wait on. Um, I think probably, would you agree that, it, that everybody should be looking at Teddy and, and Angus? And if you've got one, then you should definitely be looking at the other for this week. But if you can't get in this week, then your deadline on Roosters players needs to be before round 11 starts when they hit the Warriors, Titans, and, and then the St. George Dragons. Um, yeah, 100%. And just I, I think with um, Crichton, too, his break-even's a bit higher because the game before his 92 was only a 60-odd, was it? 63, I'm, yeah. 63. So once that 63 drops out, his break-even, and, and if he has a big one this week, his break-even against the Raiders is going to be pretty little. So, oh, well, of, of a number he's going to hit. So I'd suggest if you don't get him this week, next week's definitely the one you have to do it. Yeah, for sure. And look, he's... I, I actually rate Teddy and Angus as the two best gun trade-ins um, for this week. If you got one, it's easy. Try and get the other one. And that's sort of how I view it. And again, not trying to sound like a Roosters fan, but the Cowboys had 40 points put on them. Um, you know, and then they, against the Tigers, the Tigers put 34 on them in one half. You know, a side like the Roosters aren't going to take their foot off the throat. That'll be a 70 point game. Now, no. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying the Cowboys won't turn up this week. Maybe they turn up a bit better. But even if they turn up, I mean, I was talking about this uh, with some other friends of mine. I said, you know, I've got a, a punters group. And, they, and it was my turn. I was like, get the get the money on the Roosters line. It's minus 12 and a half for two bucks. Get it on now. I cannot believe Sports Better Valley got a minus 12 and a half. Like they could they should surely win by 20 even if um even if they're not on on this on their game and the Cowboys turn up a little bit. Mate, I um I, I had a look at the line straight after the last game and I actually got on for a fair bit. The line was set at minus nine and a half to start with. I saw that open up at that. You're right. Yeah, so I was I was on when I saw that. Like that's just crazy. Like teams are winning by um, the well running away with it. Generally, there's been some big 13 plus wins um, through here, and you can't you, you can't get you're losing money. It, they've got to take a loss. If they open that at nine and a half, and a whole heap of people didn't get on, they'd be crazy. Oh, for sure. And that that's. Um, my point with Angus and talking about that as well is that he's one of those forwards that he's going to get um, bulk attacking points when the Roosters do put on a lot. We saw it against Canterbury where he, he got a double and he went over virtually untouched on that edge. It, there's a very good chance that that edge gets touched up by by the Roosters. And if it does, Crichton could be an easy 
100 point scorer. I agree with you on um, on Madison and Lolo probably being ahead um, based on a few factors, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we get to the end of the season and Crichton actually averages more than the two of them. I think those are the three guys that you want, and I think a lot of people now have Lolo and Madison. So I, I think that Angus is your number one trade target this week if you don't have him. Yeah, agree. I, uh, there was a couple of weeks ago I talked to Wilf about it, and uh, I was tossing up between um, him and McInnes. And I, I said McInnes basically because of um, just that he was working at a higher base, but the, who the Roosters have coming up and the way he's playing, um, I'll, I'll fix that and say I'd probably prefer Crichton. Yep. Um, let's talk about the other gun that's come through that was a bit of a... Geez, a not so much an unknown, but, you know, a lot of people would have forgiven Brett Morris for being relatively super coach irrelevant, just grabbing his try every now and then um, this year and just sort of being a good role player for the Roosters. But he's been an out-and-out star in the last couple of months. Three out of his five games have been 100-plus. He's gone 114, 144, and 103 in his last five. And his other two scores were nothing to sneeze at, 72 and 85. He's now got a 79-point average, and... When you can't really get many strike centre wins that you can rely on, uh, Brett Morris has just shown that he's reliable, and he's coming into a run that, again, not many teams have. The problem with him is he's 725 grand, so he's got a BE of 70. He's probably going to break that this week. You know, he's another guy that could score a ton pretty easily against the Cows this week, so it it makes it very, very difficult. Is he uh, out of the price range at 725k, or is he somebody who... You know, if you own Angus and you own Teddy, um, that you could look at planning to bring in the next two weeks because he's shown us enough the last couple of months that he's going to keep scoring well. Um, I honestly feel that's out of the price range. I, I don't like to pay overs. And, I mean, he's putting points up, but that's overs for me in a centre wing, um, especially if you've missed all the scores now. I'd, and that that right-hand side... He's still playing on the right, isn't he? Well, there was actually uh, Wacko's Whispers, I think it was, actually said that he might be moving. So they actually said that he might swap and be playing with Josh Morris. So And they'll, they'll put Hall on, on, the, on his side. So it's it's we'll have to wait until kickoff to see what, what the formation's actually going to be now. See, I definitely like him. But I'd like him better on the left. And like all teams, most teams attack better down the left. Um, on the right at 700k, it'd be too much. It's still too much on the left. I'd, I'd have to, like, I'd love to get him in because, again, it's not just a small sample size he's had. Like you said, he's been putting up numbers, but yeah, that, uh, it's too, if, if you've got the cash and your team's pretty set, he'd be someone good to bring in, but just too expensive for me at the minute. Yeah, I agree with you. You'd have to have cash to burn. And if you've, if you're a team that's nailed everything and you've got the other couple of roosters and the other guns that are on offer for this week, then you could do it for sure. And I reckon if you've got the money, yeah, you could go for it. You know, If you're a team that still holds turbo for some reason for a couple of weeks because you couldn't get rid of him or had other stuff to do or whatever, then I think that's an easy trade to make. But for 99% of teams, I think yeah, it's pretty hard to do because I just think there's other better options. If he was 500 and something thousand, I'd be all over him next week, but... But otherwise, it's just a little bit too much. Yeah, but speaking of it, Morris, this is um, I, I actually don't mind his brother. His brother's still at four hundred k, and um, the way that Gutho took apart that left hand side, if and, and even if Brett goes over there, Josh Morris is gonna end up in the um 
points as well. And like he he hasn't been playing as good as his brother, but I think he had a, at the start of the season he he was um he was uh, played a few games at the Sharks too. So um, before coming over, he's now gone. So he scores at the start, 27, 25, 38. He's then gone for an 89 and 25 and 96 and an 84. Yep. And 96 and 84 were against Para and Melbourne. So um, if if I'm, I'm here's someone else I was tossing up this week. I think um, that those he could eventually be up around the same price of his brother. <laughs> that keeps up. So. Um, if if that's the way you wanted to go to bring in one of those par- uh, roosters outside backs, I'd probably be looking at Josh before Brett. Yeah, and you know what? Like I haven't really looked at Josh Morris much. So, like I've enjoyed having him as a roosters supporter, but for super coach, I've kind of left him on the wayside and not really worried too much, just because he doesn't get the limelight like some of the other guys do. But uh, when you mentioned it, I sort of thought about it a bit more as well when we were talking a bit earlier, but. Uh, I also had a peek at his scores a couple of days ago, and I was actually really surprised. Three out of his last four scores, 89, 96, and 84. So I'm 100% with you. I think that if you want a piece of that Roosters draw, and sometimes this is what you kind of have to do, isn't it? Like if you if you know a team's going to go well and they're going to score points for an extended period and you want a piece of it, sometimes you know we don't always get what we want in life. You can't get the big shiny thing that's 750K, but you could try and get a piece of it just by paying sub 500 and, and hope that Josh Morris does well too. Minus 4BE, at worst, he's going to score points the next month, two months probably, but he's going to make you probably 100 grand at some point too. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think his break-even's um, fairly small, so he, he's not going to be staying down at sub 500K for very long. So um He's someone you'd probably want to bite the bullet on this week if you were going to bring him in. So somebody else in the back line that is also very unheralded, and Josh Morris will be a pod to bring in as well, so he qualifies as a pod for sure. But somebody else that's been given an opportunity is Ryan Hall. So in Supercoach, just like the real-life NRL, um, some guys come through and all it takes is some opportunity, and opportunity makes them very valuable. In Supercoach, very much, if you get an opportunity you can be valuable, even if you're not a fantastic uh, player in real life. Now, Ryan Hall used to be a fantastic player, but, you know, he's he's in his 30s now. He isn't the player he used to be. He's had a few knee reconstructions. But t- taking Daniel Tupo's spot, he's now got good job security because Tupo's out at least six weeks, possibly eight, after ankle surgery today. So Ryan Hall's come in exactly for the Roosters' run. He's come in with a BE of 30, and he's come in at only 335 grand. So... If you think that he's someone who can come in and, and score some tries on this run, he's he's a cut price pod option at three hundred thirty grand. Where if you've got a bit of bank and you're trying to get Teddy, you know you could even foreseeably downgrade someone from six hundred k to three hundred thirty grand right hall to find some cash to go to Teddy with your bank and actually get a guy in that you can play most weeks now going forward for the next couple of months. So he's. His stats are interesting. He's got a, a raw base of 34, which is pretty decent for a winger. It uh, hasn't scored a try yet, and we've only got two sample games where he hasn't scored and really had, hasn't had any attacking stats, just a base attack, but he's gone 49 and 41 points. So for two two games that he hasn't gotten any, you know, try assists, line breaks, assists, line breaks, or tries, 49 and 41 isn't bad, and he's got all the opportunity in the world now. Yeah, nah, I yeah, I can see that, but... um. Again, if they move Brett to the left, um, 
who knows how much opportunity he gets down the right. So I, I don't mind it. And it's definitely, if you don't have the cash or you need a stepping stone, he's definitely worth a punt to get on. But like you said, if if I had the choice between bringing him in and say maybe going a, um, say a Katoa down and a, to a, a basement fella and um, Lucy Leilua up to Crichton, I'd rather do that than bring in Ryan Hall. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Ryan Hall's um, a good downgrade option to give you cash to your other trade. Uh, but he is also someone that could surprise us. I mean, I, I think that the big difference really is that if he, he's not going to score bulk tries, you know, he's not going to get a hat trick like a Brett Morris will or a Teddy will or something. He's probably just going to get the one try and give you like a solid 65 to 75 range for that that try being in there. He's not going to get you the tons. I mean, he might get a double, but you know, he, he's just not one of those guys that are going to be as high scoring. Um, on other teams, you'd look, you know, that would be fine. But on the Roosters side, they've just got so many better options. But as a cut price option, I, I kind of like him. Um, I was oh, about 30 grand off being able to do it this week. So I had to go for a cheapie instead and save some bank. But um, other guys in the Roosters backline we haven't spoken about that we'll touch on briefly now too is their halves combo because they've been... Pretty interesting too, and it's funny because both Flano and Kiri are now at almost the same price. They're, all, they're both at like 550k basically. So Kyle Flanagan's obviously the goal kicker, and that's where he's getting his points from. He's come in and he's averaging 63 points a game now. So uh, as a halfback, he, he's a gun. Um, one of the things that uh, I like about him is the consistency. So the last sort of month of football, he's gone 77, 56, 61, 62. Really solid. Watching the games, he backs up really well. Um, he's, he's gotten a couple of tries there, just backing guys up, and he's got some good goal kicking. But in saying that, one of the things that I'm worried about with him is comparing him with someone like Kiri. Kiri definitely has the bigger upside, and I'm worried that um, Flano doesn't get a lot of uh, of the assists. Generally, Kiri's the one that gets those assists, or someone like Tedesco. And with Kiri's upside, you know, he's gone 80, 80. 52, 19, and then 106 before that. So he does have those, you know, 19-type scores and 50 scores that Curie could hit that are going to be lower than Plano. But I really like his bigger upside, and I like the fact that he's the one that's getting all the assists along with Teddy. So uh, are either of these guys options that you sort of um, think are good considerations, or how do you see these halves in this Roosters side? Um, I don't mind either of them, and it's a much of a muchness, really. Like, um, I like the... I like Flano because he's got that floor and he's got the kicking. So, if, if like you said, if the Roosters can put on 50 points or whatever, Flano's going to have a big score, even with, just with the boot. He's, he's pretty accurate. Um, I, and I get what you say about Kiri too. And the good thing about it is, like you said, the draw for him's good. Like, you watch these games, especially these halves that are natural ball runners, they love running when they're on the front foot. The forwards are coming over, and it's the teams they're putting points on. So, yep. um, it, it's yeah. I think um, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I, there's a there's if you if you could, there's a reason to have them both in. Really, like you you could play them both every week, and if one of them fails, even if it's a forty or a fifty, the other one's probably going to go well. So. Um, you could make an argument to have both in there, especially when the halves are a bit all over the shop. Like um, you've got Cleary who can go 99 one week and a 54. So those guys are, can easily do that as well. So 
with the Roosters draw and how many points they put on and how ruthless they are, they don't really give up. Um, both those guys will probably um, go well. So I can't I can't really split them. I, I had a mate ask me this question, which one I'd pick, and I couldn't do it. I was just like, mate, like, whichever one you get is probably going to go well. But, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really I, – I wouldn't be betting any money I could pick which one will do better at <laughs> the season. Yeah, well, I don't think you can go wrong either, but I do give the edge to Kiri just because we've sort of seen him a bit more um, and he's he will take charge and the the run sort of suits him. I mean, if I had an extra trade, I'd be getting Kiri in this week against the Cowboys. Um, I'd also suggest that there's teams that have to, Teddy and Angus, and if you do, Kiri's a great trade. There's a lot of teams that still have Scott Drinkwater. Drinkwater to Kiri is only going to cost you about 75 grand, so easy money to find to do that. I'd be doing that in a second. Um, but as it stands with my side, I can't do it for this week. I think it's good for sides to look at it if you've got some of those other guns already. But like we always say on this podcast, planning is everything. Uh, I'm aiming for round 11 for that Warriors game for for Luai to become uh, Luke Curie, and I think that's going to work out pretty well. Just waiting those couple of weeks, I think it's fine. Yeah, well, I think... Um... I think, I'm just checking it now. Kiri had a break even of 31 and Flanagan's a 76. So if you were going to do it this week, you could probably wait on um, Fleno maybe. He, he he could easily hit that. But um, Kiri could likely smash a 30. So um, this week I'd probably get um, Kiri. Though I... I'm going to say I'd still lean Flano just because I like the fact that the, the goal kicking can boost a um, poor score, and especially in a team that can put on that many points. That uh, that could easily add anywhere between 16 to 20 points for him a week. So, Yep, that's a fair call. And, I mean, there's teams like mine. Like, I've still got Mitchell Moses in my side because initially it was sort of a three- to four-week injury. And... Now it's been updated to say it's going to be like six weeks or, or even more potentially, and that was just a big blow for me. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of sides that are in my boat, and that uh, Moses to Flano trade, you're not going to have to put too much into it, and you can afford to plan that. Like, if you can't do it this week, just get yourself some money in the bank for this week and get it done next week, and then you're basically going to get the goal-kicking half that Moses was. But you know, actually a better scoring one at the moment. So that's probably a pretty gun trade to be making, if not this week, than next to get um, another goal kicker in, in place of Moses, I guess. Um, let's let's move on, though, because there's one last rooster that we're going to talk about, and this guy qualifies as a pod, and he's a front row forward guy, and that is Takiaho. So TKO has been a popular figure, um, both in fantasy and in real life. Um, he scored 58 points a game last year. It looked like all he needed was the minutes and he was going to score better. It looked like he might have got goal kicking, but that didn't happen. I was keen on him at the start of the year if he got that. He didn't, so I dumped him from my side. But in saying that, I can see a bit of upside in him. Um, So obviously, the Roosters have had their injuries. And one of the things with Nat Butcher that I was disappointed about as a person that was watching him for Supercoach to potentially bring in this week was that he only played 48 minutes. And one of the things that I've noticed with Takiaho is that he has been playing... Much bigger minutes than what he did at the start of the season and much bigger minutes than he did last year. So in last year's season, he only averaged 47 minutes a game. He's averaging 54 minutes a game this year, but that doesn't really tell the whole story because he started off with some lower-minute games because he was hurt. 
Um, but the last two weeks, when the Roosters have copped injuries, he's played 80 and 65 minutes. Now, I don't think that he's going to play 80 minutes, but he could very well play 60. And if he plays 60 minutes, it's 13 minutes above what he was doing last year. And it's going to put his average up to probably mid-60s. I've seen a lot of guys there where they're looking at prop forwards for their super coach side and they've, they've not got enough money for a Clemmer. They've not got enough money for the Pod Polo. They've not got enough money for a De Safiti. And they're looking at guys sort of around that 500 mark. TK is only 500 grand. He's coming off scores of 87 and 69 points when he's played the big minutes the last two weeks. And he's got that run where he's probably going to hit some attack as well. So I see him as a bit of an under-the-radar pod. What's your sort of take on it with considering the Roosters' minutes rotation now? Uh, again, I'd, I don't like to mess around too much in the forwards. Like, you'd need to try and get that set earlier. Um, I'd, I'd prefer most of the other options, probably even Hall over him. I just feel like um, everyone should have Payne Haas. He's knocking out... A, a 76 average, which is decent. And then, um, I'd like, and this is what I've done. I've just put Carrigan up there. He, he's going all right as well. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like, he, he could, he could be a good pot. And if that's going to separate your side, maybe, um, I'd prefer to pot up elsewhere though. I'd, I, yeah, I can't get on board him. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I could see him doing well. I'm not going to do it myself. Um, I don't have the trades to be able to do it in the next couple of weeks. But if you're looking for a, a, a front row forward and you just don't have the money, uh, I think at the 500k price range, if you can't find any more cash, I think that he's a, a pretty decent punt to make. I mean, I said this about Paulo about five weeks ago and no one would do it. But <laughs> he's going great guns now, guys. He's, he's 600 grand. So maybe some people will listen on t- TKO and he probably won't come through and I'll look stupid. But either way, um, I reckon he looks all right. Um, I've got my front row forward set up as Haas, Paulo, and I've got Carrigan there at the moment. And Carrigan will probably become Clemmer um, at some point in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, if if I like what I see from Takiyaho, or somehow he ends, ends up playing massive minutes because of those uh, middle rotations being down for the Roosters, then... In a couple of weeks, I might reevaluate. But if you're stuck this week, guys, and you're looking for a, a prop forward sort of around the 500k or less mark, Takiyaho might be a consideration just to have a look at. We've spoken about the Roosters far too long. I'm going to apologise to all the listeners that are Roosters fans, which is probably most of them. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, it's it's just you've got to prepare for these runs, don't you, guy? And, and they do have an exceptional run. So all these guys are, are good ones to talk about coming up against the Cowboys this week. Yeah, oh, 100% with that draw. You, yeah, you had to cover them. All, and they're all fairly pretty good options. Um, so, yeah, it was it was worth it, I guess. So let's talk about some other, other guns. The other big guns that are being talked about this week are the Parramatta duo of Gutho and Sebo. And it's, it's crazy because Gutho's one of those guys where a lot of people are like me, where you've owned him multiple times, but every time he has, he's, he's been bitterly disappointing. Like, I've gotten him in... I think it was last year I got him in maybe, or it might have been the year before, and he was like the number one player in the game. And it was like, no, we've got like six, seven weeks of data. He's killing it. And I got him in, he scored like 35 points. And it's the type of guy that Gutho is. He's the second most traded in player though, guy. He's 8.5% traded in. Going to cost you 650 grand. He's just gone up almost 100 grand in a week. 
coming off 166 points on the weekend, which was crazy that he didn't even get a try in that. I'm... (laughs) I found myself in a position where I can't talk people out of doing this trade because Gutho's going so well. But I'm going to stick strong and say, you know, Pong has only had the one bad game and I've already got him and I can use that trade elsewhere and Teddy's much more important than Gutherson. So, but I can't say to people that they're doing the wrong thing because Jeezy's looked really good. Yeah, and um, it look it looks like it's going to hurt Dylan Brown a bit because he's, he's calling a lot of the ball while he's in the halves and... With Moses out, he also have a pretty good run. He 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 he's a definitely a good pot option there, and you've just said a whole heap of people are bringing him in. But I've, I like you said, Ponga's had a stinker. He had one last year too. Um, I don't like the fact that he looked to be attacking the right or as much as this game and not floating to the left. And I think that's probably because Man's playing better than anyone thought in at the halves as well. But um, yeah, I just I think there's there's other trades elsewhere. I I don't know if the gap between Ponga and Gutho's going to be all that much. Obviously Gutho's going to rise in cash while Ponga's fallen, but points wise I think Ponga can definitely bounce back. So and like you said that there's other trades you can make other where to strengthen your team overall and I just think sideways trading Ponga to Gutho I mean, if, if you had nothing else to do, I think it's fine. But surely, you know, it's just a wasted trade when there's so many other ones to make at the moment. And, I, 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 like, there's some pretty good teams out there. But, like you said, if you don't have, like, a Crichton in or a um, Brett Morris or a, and you've you've got the cash, because I think it's an upgrade from Ponga to him now. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just think there's better options to strengthen your team for the run rather than to bring Gutho in. Yeah, and look, I think that people need to realise as well. Like, it's really, it's really hard. Like, I get carried away as well when when someone has a hundred sixty six point game, and also when someone's on back to back tons. You get carried away with what they've been doing lately. You forget about what they did not so long ago. And like the three games before the last two weeks, Gutho had fifty nine, fifty, and fifty one, and he had a hundred twenty four before that. But then he had a thirty six and a thirty to start the year. Like, he's no world beater, and he could very well come in against Newcastle this week and give you a thirty five. And maybe because he's got the goal kick, maybe he gives you a 42 or something. But there's no guarantee, certainly, with him that he's going to keep this up. And we've seen it from him before. And I think that's probably my biggest drawback with him. We've seen it from him before. And he's 20 points better at the moment at 77 points a game than what he dished up at 57 last year. And even if you account for kicking for the next six weeks, maybe he's got a 64 average with the kicking if you put it on the last year. But he's still... 650 grand, so you're paying a big amount of money to find out if he's improved that much. Yeah, um, agree. I, I just think, and and like you said, Newcastle are back home. Um, I think this week probably get a bit of a kick up the backside. They might come out and turn it on. So yeah, I'd, it, it's it's definitely a risk. And I mean, he's and he's carrying that um, strap into his leg as well. Like so, you're. And he's had those injuries before, so you're taking that on as well. Um, yeah, so all up, I'd, I'd prefer to strengthen my side elsewhere. Well, he's in about 4% of teams at the moment, and he's going to go up to probably 15% of teams by the time the week's done. So he's not going to be a pod, um, but he's going to be pretty low-owned. But the big blowback from this is Kalen Ponga, who we just spoke about, obviously had um, 19 points on the weekend. He updated a big point from 18. And he was obviously terrible. Got a HIA as well. 
And it is one of those things with recency bias where people are panicking a little bit. Like, um, I understand what you're saying about what side he's playing on, and I, I find that puzzling as well. But that was happening a couple of weeks ago, and he still threw up 60 points the week before this. And he hasn't thrown up below 60 points all year. But almost 10% of teams are trading him out now that he's done that last week below 60, when really he's been one of the best players to own all, all year up until now. So he's in 39% of teams. He's probably going to be in 25% of teams by the time you know we get past the first game's lockout because people are trading him out in big numbers. I'm actually liking it for Ponga. You know, as a Ponga owner, um, I'm looking at it glass half full that he's going to halve his ownership almost in the next week. And yeah, he's going to drop a heap of cash, but he's just as likely to start throwing up 80 points plus again. So I'm more than happy to hold hold Ponga. Um, and I, I don't see him throwing up 18, 19 points again. Nah, and I mean, if you look at the majority, he did have, I said he did have one game like this last year, but... You look at some of those games, like even the game against the Broncos where he got 78, I'm pretty sure he didn't really jag a try there. No. And it, no, and he, and that was a pretty quiet game from him really, and he still somehow managed to jump to a 78. Like, I, I, Gutho can't do that. He has to have those attacking stats to get to a, a um, decent score. And I, and I haven't seen him really, from fullback he can, he, he can get, a few line breaks at and that and break the line. But from the halves, he tends to get his points more through um, throwing like those long, nice cutout boards he's got going there and get and putting other people over. So he seems to need more try assists because, because he's on the ball so much, I think defensive lines are getting on him. So he doesn't have that ability to break the line as much. So he does rely on those other attacking stats. Yeah, and, you know, Paris draw isn't bad. But you're bringing Gutho in for a week where they're playing a Newcastle side that didn't play well on the weekend and won by two against Manly, but I'm sure they're going to get their ass kicked about how they played. The week before, they played abysmal against the Cowboys. Like, I, I don't, they can't keep playing this bad and keep winning and win some games. Like, they're already losing against teams like the Cowboys. I don't think that complacency is going to continue, and they can't get better if Caelan Pong isn't playing better than what he has been the last couple of weeks. So, I just don't see it being a great trading week for Parry against Newcastle, who held Manly to 12 points. And then the week after, they got Manly, who, similar things, you know, like Manly's been playing like dog shit. Obviously, they've had players out, but they didn't turn up against Cronulla, had 40-something points put on them. Um, then they got done by Newcastle as well in controversial circumstances. Manly's in out for blood at the moment as well. They have to bounce back. So I really don't like the next couple of weeks for, for Parra either. Yeah, um, it's... Oh, it's a yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll face some teams that are having to bounce back a bit, and the Tigers have been a bit gritty. The Bulldogs show up every now and again, um, so it's not. It's it's still relative. One of the easier draws, but um, yeah, Manly a bit. Manly were pretty scrappy as well, so it might be tough to put a few points on against them. And generally, those Manly para games are. Um, Pretty torrid affairs. They don't really like each other, so that'll be a game that um, Des will be getting them up for. So, yeah, it's it's. I, I do like Gutho. I think he's well. Like we said, he's not going to be a pod, but um, if you've had him up till now, he's he's done you pretty well. But yeah, too risky for me. Yeah, I, I just think there's better options. And to give Gutho a bit of credit, like if he was available in centre wing, like he was a couple of years ago, you'd be all over him. But oh. he's, but he's not, you know. So it makes a big difference. 
Yeah. Um, let's talk about Gutho's teammate though, because I'm going to sound like um, I'm I'm a bit full of it here because I'm going to say, you know, what I did about the draw the next couple of weeks, but then I'm going to turn around and say, you know what, I reckon you should be trading Sebo in. So <laughs> people are probably going to going to be hassling me about that one. But Sebo is in the top five most traded in as well. He's number four on the list with 4.5% of teams bring him in. But there's a couple of key differences that I like with Sebo that I was explaining to a few people online earlier today. One of them is that Sebo is a center wing. So it's a lot different getting a guy like Sebo in that you can rely on and make a heap of cash out of that's, that's going to score some tries into your center wing than what it is trying to push someone into a, a fullback spot where you've only got two of them. That's where all the best players play. So one thing's positional with Sebo. Other thing is uh, he's 100 grand less than what Gutho is. So you're paying about 560k. And he's also got a low BE as well, so he's going to make the money. Minus 18. He's 145 points. He's going to stick for a while. Um, I've had him since the start of the season, and I've actually been really happy. Like, I brought him in as an anchor, and I went, you know, I'm going to have a, a terrible center wing, but I'm going to have one guy that I can sort of put there and just hope that he goes big, and that's been Sebo. I haven't really been disappointed. He, he started off bad with 27 at the start of the year, but then he's basically been... Mostly 60s plus, aside from his 13-point stinker against Penrith. In the last three weeks, he's 52, 75, 145. Uh, and he scores a lot of tries. So I like the Sebo trade-in uh, much more than the Gutho one myself. And I reckon that's a pretty good trade-in at the moment. Yeah, you're, you're definitely um, looking at the team's runs over the next few weeks. Parrot do have one of the better ones and... Um, You'd probably need a piece of that, and like I, I, I just agree with you. Trying to force Gutho at fullback just doesn't sit well when you got like Ponga, Tedesco, Turbo, whoever else back there. So, um, yeah, I, I, and Sivo could easily be, like you said, an anchor, someone you hold back in there. He'll he'll end up probably up there with um, uh, Nofo. Even though I, I brought a point up about him, we might get to it later. Um, him and Yo, obviously, and probably Mansour, that they'll all be there or thereabouts. Yeah, and I mean the thing with Sivo too is that he can anchor your side there. He's also only fourteen percent owned at the moment, and he's he's not going to be pod territory anymore. But he's not going to get to twenty percent plus either. So he's going to be reasonable for a guy like like him, and he is up against possibly Tex Hoy on the wing this week. So. If it's him versus Tex Hoy, I'm I'm running the sports bet when we know the team list for sure, and, and I'll I'll put it I'll put him down for a double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro- yeah, it's probably not a bad bet actually. Um, let's move on. So, other guns to talk about is well, there's really only one left that we're going to touch on, and that is another guy being traded out in the top ten, and that's Latrell Mitchell. He's the tenth most traded out player at the moment. A couple percent are trading him out. The enigma that is Latrell has dropped 61k this past week. He's at 520 grand, so all of a sudden he's starting to look a bit appetizing again, like he was a month ago when people traded him in. He's got 130 BE, and he's coming up against a West Tiger side that he's got a high score of 161 points against, and it's his best high score out of anyone. That's his highest score he's ever scored, 161 versus the Tigers. So it looks pretty ominous. But like every podcast has spoken about, and I'm sure that you know Bear, he's got very low, very low floor. Um, he's coming off a game against the Bulldogs where you would have thought he would have scored great. He only threw up 49 points. 
um, coming off his nine against Penrith the week before. I, I'm i really torn on this one. If I owned him, I don't think that I'd be selling him at 520k. I just don't think you're getting much value out of that. He could very well go well against the Tigers. But I was pretty hesitant to buy him in the first place, so it's a little bit hard. Yeah, no, nah, I own him, so I can actually talk on this one a bit. I'm I'm definitely going to hold. Um, obviously, he's he's not going to chuck up what he was getting at the Roosters just because the Roosters score more points and he was goal-kicking there. So it was a risk to bring him in without the goal-kicking, but um, I still feel like... Um, even though he didn't get the points last game, his his attitude towards it's been a bit different, and he he he's doing some work off the ball, and you could say he does he probably doesn't want to take a tackle when he's no chance of scoring a try, but um, yeah, I don't know, I've, I've it's a bit of a gut feeling about him. I think he might. He might bounce back. He mightn't end up as a top five center, but he's he's still averaging fifty. And that if if someone's getting that in your centre wing, that's not a bad score to be adding up over the course of a year. Yeah, at his price point, I, I, if I owned him, I, I think I'd be inclined to be holding this week. Um, I can only guess that some people maybe need the extra cash to be able to get a teddy or something. And if that's the only way you can do it, then I think it makes some sense. But I think there's quite a few people that are trading him out because they're raised trading and... At 520k, you know, if you can trade a, a drink water at 450 or all these other guys, you know, there's so many guys between four and 500 that have bottomed out or just gone to shit or just have, are going to start losing cash. You'd be trading all those guys before Mitchell hitting the Tigers after he's lost 61k. Like, he, he, he scored 161 points against them before. You know, if he scores half that, you'd be happy. And it's on the cards that he probably will, I think. So I'd, I'd be holding him unless you absolutely had to trade him. Yeah. Um, let's get off the guns. Let's talk about the cheapies. So, with the cheapies, um, there's somebody that I actually brought in this week now, uh, and I was looking at it, and I hadn't looked at what he changed, what he was going to change to or plan for it or anything, and I thought, you beauty, he's only 192k, I'm bringing him in. And that is Nui at the uh, Brisbane Broncos playing fullback. He's 192k, and... It's because he's played his four games and he's coming off 53 points last game against the Warriors, but because of his first two games being bench games, he's only made 20k on his starting on his starting price. So he's actually priced really well at the moment for a downgrade, 192 grand. He's minus 15 BE, so he's about to make cash. And I needed to get a guy in for centre wing because of my injuries to Tupo that I could start this week, and knew he fit the bill perfectly. So he's playing the Bulldogs this week. I think he's a great starter at fullback. He actually had some nice touches against the Warriors. He's just re-signed with the Broncos, so they've pledged a bit of allegiance to him that he's going to be their fullback for a while now. Uh, and I just think that the the Broncos are going to have to aim up sooner or later and, and win. I quite like him as a downgrade this week, mate. I actually think that he's probably the best cheapie available. Um, yeah, I I agree with that just because of his um, price. But... I don't know. I just I, I I've been trying to defend them. I normally don't do it, and I I said the year before that I didn't think that left hand edge with Seabold there to go off and whatever. But um, he just they just they're just down on confidence. They've got no no direction really, and um, like 
I mean, let's let's be honest. A fullback scoring fifty three against New Zealand should be par for the course. It should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I mean, um, yeah. So I've I I can understand it, and it, it's decent to free up some cash because um, he, he he'll definitely make it. But um, no, nah, I wouldn't. If if you're doing a downgrade and a big upgrade suite, I'm all for it. If you're doing a like a double downgrade, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel I just feel he could be a potential issue. I, I've got Coates and I like him just because he seems to have a nose for the try line. But even him, I'm looking. I'm going to ship out as soon as he reaches peak price. So I don't know if I'd want to be bringing any more Broncos in. I know what your issue is, mate. It's okay. We we can say it on the podcast. You've been beaten, you've been beaten down by the Bronco himself, Wilfred, for for years now. And you're just sick of hearing about the Broncos. That's what it is. Oh, mate, he's, he's um, he cops a fair bit of flack. I mean, um, sometimes his defences make perfect sense. Other times you're just like, ah, oh, come on, mate. Like, but he's um, yeah. I don't know if if you look. Like I mean, at this at this time of the game, you're still looking for a downgrade that's going to make money. So, as as your call about him being the best one to bring in is probably right, but I'd be nervous about how much he's actually going to make. Yeah, he might not be the best one. I mean, I think that uh, as far as for the season, there's going to be a lot of better ones than him. But for this week, he's he ticks all the boxes. Especially, like I think that a lot of teams. In the last two or three weeks, it's been utter carnage. So I think a lot of teams are, are reeling. Like, I owned Moses, Munster, Tupo, um, other guys as well that I had on the pine. Luciano just keeps going down like a sack of potatoes. So I, I've got that many guys that hurt that I whoever I brought in and I had to do a downgrade, you have to play them. And I think some other teams are going to be in that boat. So as far as a bit of depth immediately... Uh, I think that he's not the worst one. But, yeah, I take your point about the Broncos because I don't believe in him either. Um, the other cheapie, though, that's bottom dollar is 172K. He's got a minus 32B at the moment, but he's only played two games. But he is the most traded-in player at the moment. So guys are going for him early. And that is Bo Fermore. So at the Titans, he started off playing in the second row. He's been moved to, um, to centre this week. Now, this is going to be his second game playing at centre, 0% of teams, but it's about to go up to probably 10% of teams by the time we get past lockout. I'm in two minds about this one, so I'm really interested on your point of view. He's the most trading guy, so people are obviously disagreeing with Nui and some of the other guys as a downgrade option. They think Bo's going to be a better one. But, you know, Proctor's back, I think, in a couple of weeks for that second row spot. Um, Brian Kelly's not in the side at the moment as well as a centre. I think Copley's out as well for a centre spot. I just sort of see him um, making some money next week and then possibly being on the bench and kind of not going anywhere. I think that's a bit of a risk. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd, I'd, I'd probably, like, and for that reason, it, it always makes um, players who are going to go up in cash a better trade-in. So I'd prefer to bring the um, new, or however you say his name, I'd bring him in first. Um, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think he's a massive risk because they seem to be making money coming off the bench too. Like you got your Rudolphs and that who've 
um, kept chuggling away a bit. And I reckon even from the bench, that bloke looks like he's a worker. So he could probably make um, a couple of hundred K even off the bench, maybe 200 K before you um, just flick him for an extra bit of cash to maybe round out your 17 towards the end of the season or even round 14 or 13 or so or whatever you need to get rid of him by. But um yeah, I'd, I'd, and I I'd definitely, I'm not a big fan of bringing them in a week early. Like, I mean, if if you had new mail, he was going to start later in the season, then I have no issue starting with them as an MPR. But bringing them in in their um, second game, unless <laughs> unless they're like you think they're going to score a hundred or something, which I don't think this bloke will do, um, it's it's just too risky for me. He, yeah. mightn't, he mightn't get named at all. He might do an injury. But One of the things that you can look at, I know that you said you probably still want to be making money at this point of the season, but when I was planning ahead for my trades this week a few weeks ago, I was actually looking at getting a, uh, just getting enough in because I sort of think we're getting towards, edging towards that halfway point of a shortened season. And I've got a lot of guys that I've got to get rid of that are making money. So I think that now is about the time. So, I mean, what do you think about the strategy that if you were going to get enough in the next few weeks anyway and you needed to downgrade at the moment and say you had a new already, um, instead of getting Beau Fermor, maybe get you enough now to, to do that other trade that you needed to. And if Fermor gets named next week or you get some extra mail, get him in next week um, because you're going to get two, you know, two downgrades in the next two weeks anyway. And if you didn't really know who that other one was, well, maybe it's time just to start getting enough in. And, and get a couple of those guys in the next few weeks sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's a fair play too, but you'd like to have, I, I think, maybe, maybe just a little bit too early, and only only because, like, you, you look at guys like um, the Warriors Katoa, who looked like he was going to be a pretty good cow, now he's sitting on the pine for however long he is at 392, so... He hasn't maxed out. If you brought in Avarillo, he's at 300 grand, and now who knows when he'll be back. Um, like, Willie Army got injured too. He looked like a not a great cow, but someone who'd make some money. So that, that we've, we've got these cows in who've sort of hit, not their ceiling, but they've just, well, a ceiling until they can get back on the field, and who knows when that is. So I still, and I get you, we're at the midway point, but I just feel you probably still want to bring someone in who might be able to generate even 150k to help you maybe make a jump between um, one of those cut price guys like a Josh Morris to him instead of a Brett Morris or whatever, a bit further down the track. Yeah, that's a fair enough call. Um, let's talk about another cheapie that's in the top 10, and he's at the moment the fifth most traded in guy, and that is Jai Field. So initially, I was talking about this with some people on the various Facebook groups like Central yesterday, and I actually said, oh, I, I don't really like it. You know, you might only get a rise or two out of him, and Moses could be back. Like, Moses could only miss two more games sort of thing. Um, but then, obviously, the news came out that Moses is six weeks plus, so... Dryfield all of a sudden does become a bit more interesting than what he was maybe 24 hours ago. He's got a minus 19 BE. He's 240K. He's a dual 5'8 fullback. 
so he works as far as a downgrade from some of these options, particularly a downgrade straight from Moses. If you've got the jewels, you're going to make a couple hundred grand out of that. He's only played the one game, though, so he's not going to go up just yet, but a lot of people are bringing him in. Now, he's got a score of 80 against the Cowboys. Okay, he, he played really well. He looked very fast, and that's kind of been the thing with his whole career, but he's never really cemented a starting spot. And he's never, he hasn't really got a sample size to say that he's even going to be a good NRL player for super coach purposes. So, you know, I'm, he's not, he's like 70 grand above like where Fimor is. So if you're going to bring in a guy early, at least bring in the guy that's sort of 70 grand less and save that bank to do your upgrades and stuff is sort of how I see it. He's only played one game, at least Fimor's played two. So, I kind of get the field stuff in that, yeah, maybe he's got extra security for six weeks type of thing, and he did look good and scored 80 points, but, yeah, there's, there's so many risks with it. I'm, I'm surprised so many are jumping on, Guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, the 239K's all right, but like you said, um, Moses could be out longer, he might not be, but um, between Gutherson and Brown commanding it or the ball, He's going to need tries, and he he could jag him, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be... He's definitely not going to be averaging an 80, so if you bring him in, um, it's, a, it's a tough call, especially when there's... And I think we'll talk about him later, but there's some other um, decently priced halves you could probably have that I'd prefer in front of him. Yeah, I think at the moment there's that many halves options. I don't think you want to be bringing in your downgrades and your halves right now. I think that you want to be doing it elsewhere. I don't see Jai Field as a good one at all. I think there's other ones that you can do, uh, whether it's new, whether it's Fimor, or whether it's even some of these other guys. I mean, one of the interesting things too is that, um, and I actually got this question from a couple of people on Twitter, The in the top 10 most trained in players, and number eight, Tommy Talao's there at 2.4%, and he's just made 61K with his with his first cash rise, and people are still looking at him. He's 270 grand, but he's got a minus 30 BE. So at first I didn't get it, and then I looked at his BE, and I sort of thought, well, you know what? Um, you know, he's still going to make 100 grand probably with that sort of BE. Do you think paying the 270K after he's just got that first rise is is going to be okay? Do you think that that's a fair enough trade down to get a Tommy Talao? I mean, one of the other things I kind of thought about too was, well, it's only 50 grand more to a Ryan Hall. Why not just, you know, get a Ryan Hall that you can more comfortably play sort of thing? you probably got similar cash available. So I really didn't know what to make about the Tommy Talao tradings. Um, I think... I think that left-hand side has a better chance than the right-hand side moving forward. Yep. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't mind it as a shout. Um, it's uh, if I've I've got two moves I'm looking at later, and one does involve bringing him in, but um, yeah, it's a it's a toss up still for me, because like you said, you're still going to make money on him. Um, you've missed out on the 60k rise, but pay a little bit of tax, and you can still make a hundred. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's still not bad making that much coin. He's got South and the Broncos the next two weeks, so he's got pretty good um. He's got pretty good try-scoring prospects the next couple of weeks. I think one of the things that people need to be aware of is he scored 55 points on the weekend with a try, and he scored 72 the week before with two tries. So he's not one of those guys. You know, he needs a try to score pretty reasonably. Um, and the fact that he's already made that 70K, 
is a little bit concerning to me. Like, he could be someone that gets to that 70K mark in profit from here on, and it's still 140 on his starting price. But, you know, maybe he hits a bit of a barrier to try and get to that 100K plus. So I just kind of think there's other better options. Like, he's in that awkward price range of that 275 odd mark where you can pay a little bit extra and kind of get a guy that you can more reliably play, like a Hall or a Fergo. It's only 330K. Jesus. Like, we'll talk about him in a sec. But, or you can go down and just save yourself, you know, a hundred grand, which is really important at the moment, and bank that, and just get a bottom dollar guy like Fimor. You know, I, I see him in a bit of no man's land, but let's talk about one of his teammates just as a last shout for the cheapies, and that's Cheekam. So obviously, BJ Leilua had a stupid brain snap on the weekend. Let's just, let's just give us a second just to go through this. Like, I, I could not believe that Leilua did that. Like, I know that they went through a bit of a niggly game and stuff, but the Appy, the Appy hit was pretty innocuous. He was, you know, Luciano fell, fell over himself and Appy hit him half a metre off the ground accidentally. And then BJ just takes out Edwards, who the poor bloke had nothing to do with anything. He was nowhere near that play. And he just decided to take out his anger on him for it. Like, I... And he, Edward wasn't even getting ready for it up. He didn't even have the ball. He was nowhere near anything. Well, I just can't believe how stupid he is. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a massive brain snap. He, um, yeah, there's real, there, there is an excuse. And I mean, it's not like we should be surprised. He's had a couple of these over his career and just doesn't seem to learn. He's like a park footy player that just keeps getting an NRL spot. <laughs> it's He's got that park footy mentality. That you, you know, it's like he thinks that he's on the park in an A-grade side somewhere. And, he, you know, yeah, you'll get away with that over there, BJ, because there isn't cameras and stuff, and there's a part-time ref that doesn't care what's going on. But it's the NRL. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, especially, like, and it's that, it's that dumb stuff that you do where when you go to look for a contract, you've got to take, you've got to take, um, contracts from teams that aren't doing as well because none of the good teams are going to want to pay you decent money to go play for them because no matter how skilled you are in today's game, you give away penalties like that and you get simbined or sent off or whatever and and, and it's just um, too hard to overcome these days. So, yeah, he's not, not, not a good idea. It's just funny. I heard someone else say the other day and it was actually like someone in the media, I think it might have been on the radio, they were like, oh, you know, he's he's just got to get out of his game. He's got to, you know, hopefully he'll develop and he'll start to improve and he'll get out of his game. And I think, mate, I remember watching him do this when he was 18, playing for the Roosters on the wing. He's almost <laughs> 30 years old. Like, when's he going to get it out when he's 45? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I think he's just that sort of a player. He's, he's not going to be able to get rid of it, so... Yeah, um, well, it, do, it does present an opportunity, though, because um, Cheekham has been named to start. So he's someone that hasn't really been talked about much, but he's starting in the centres, um, and he's a second rower. And, like, there's a lot of teams that need to make a downgrade that might not be able to do it in centre wing. So someone like Cheekham presents an interesting opportunity because you could have a, a Katoa or a Tanoa Brown that you need to get rid of, or even a Luciano Leilua at the moment. And you can downgrade to Cheekham, who's only 220k, and he's a second rower. So there is some ways that that makes some sense. Um, obviously, he's played off the bench all year. So his average per game is 20. 
he came in at 370 grand because he was priced off a Ford average last year, and now he's down to 220. So, you know, it, on the surface, you know, BJ's out for for quite a while. Robert Jennings is out for a while. Michael Cheekham looks like he probably has a reasonable security for, you know, at least a month or so. You'd think that he could probably get to 100k plus, if not 150k, back to his starting price. Um, so, is he someone that should be considered a bit more than, say, you know, Tommy Talao in his own team? Um, yeah, I mean... Oh. He's running at yeah. a, he's running at a South Edge too, and then he's got the Broncos edge after that. So I kind of like that. At two, yeah, and he's like coming from the second row. He's probably not gonna bother a bit. Like he'll probably get more points in his um uh, hit ups and stuff. I, I don't know about his like a break even of forty one. Like even you could probably afford to wait and have a look at him. Um, I, I think though for well, we might talk about it later. Anyway, um, I think he's, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like if if you're going to bring in a cheaper, you want him to make money, and Talao's got the negative break even, and Cheekham doesn't. So for that reason, I'd probably pay the extra bit of tax and go Talao. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I'm going to go the other way on this one. I, I probably, I'll, I'd wait a week. I like your idea about waiting a week. Um, I just sort of think that the the Buddy's edge is pretty susceptible, but you could wait a week and then. Playing against that Broncos edge, um, he's probably going to be, you know, he might be cheaper. Um, but Cheekham is a bit of an X-factor guy. He can find the try line, and he can attack, and he's got a bit of energy, and he has wanted his opportunity, and now he's got one. So yeah, I, I kind of like him as a bit of a sneaky sneaky downgrade that no one's doing. So I, I quite like the idea of going him instead of Talao or some of these other guys. Um, if he was a dual second-row centre wing, it would be a bit better. But, you know, he's an option for people to consider. Uh, let's move on real quickly because we're going to run out of time otherwise. Um, there's a few value guys to quickly touch on, and I'm really interested on, on your opinion. These these guys could be this week trades as a downgrade because they've all gotten quite cheap and they're kind of fallen guns. Or they could be, if you can't do it this week, maybe a consideration for next week because they might be even cheaper again. Um, but there's probably two types of downgrades there. There's the ones that you can go real cheap, like a Cheekham or a Nuff or a New or, or a Femore, but there's also the guys that are kind of fallen down the pecking order and just had real bad seasons, like a Fergo. Now, someone like Fergo, he's it's crazy. He hasn't actually scored a try this season, and he's got eight games that he's played to do that, and he's only averaged 38 points a game, coming off 54 last year and 65 the year before. It's He's not going to go through the season and not score. So at the moment... You know, he's primed to score. It's going to happen, if not this week, in the next couple of weeks, I'd be pretty certain he's going to get a try. He's only 335 grand, and he's got a BE of 36. He's the type of guy that I talk about that if you need to play someone and downgrade, you could easily make two or 300 grand downgrading someone to a, to a Blake Ferguson, and Fergo could end up, you know, having a bit of an uptick. There were some signs of life last week. He actually got 48 points, and 40 of that was in pure base which is his equal best base game all year. So maybe he's starting to, to get back into it. So I actually quite like him as a bit of a value play at the moment if you need to downgrade and play someone. Um, yeah, I just don't like the guys he's got inside him. Between Madison and um, Blake, he's struggling to see the ball. Yeah, it's a fair call. I mean, he 
and I need to put, I need to be honest, he has played like dog shit this year. He hasn't looked that interested and he hasn't been doing enough. I did see him a bit more interested on the weekend though. And I just think that he's going to score. I think he's going to score a couple of tries in the next four or five weeks. I don't, I don't see him not scoring anymore. Surely he's not got the nudie run at the end of the year. Yeah, no, nah, nah, he'll definitely get a pie, but I'd just make, I'd, I'd just don't, I, he wouldn't be for me. I'd prefer to try and get guys now like, um, like you said, I'd I'd rather have um, like Ryan Hall. Hall. Yeah. yeah, Hall outside of Manu rather than uh, Fergo outside of a Blake. Yeah, you probably hit the barrel on the head there. Um, Hall's probably Hall's the same price, and he's probably a better option. Uh, higher upside for Fergo if somehow he turns back the clock a year and he does what he was doing last year or the year four. You're, you're probably going to make your money and be okay, but it's probably a bit of a long shot to to hope for that. Uh, Marty Tapowfels in this boat as well, but for different reasons. He's he's not played as well this year as what we're used to, but he's also had some injury affected games. He's starting to bottom out now. Um, he's only 410k and he's got a 36 BE. He's coming off a 61 point outing on the weekend, and that's because he's got his um, nine minute game against the Broncos a few games ago, and then he missed a game which was in his rolling average. So hugely cheap for Tapow, 160 grand off his starting price. Um, I'm gonna. I don't know where you stand on DePauw, but I'm going to tell you he's another one of those guys like Gutho that whenever I buy him, I'm disappointed. He never really gives me much at all, and I tend to miss his big games, so I'm a little bit jaded with him. I There's obviously two narratives there. There's the one where they've got Fanuel Blake out at least a couple of weeks, and it looks like that might be a bit more. They're obviously a bit down on troops overall as it is, um, so the narrative is you know he's got at least a couple of weeks of increased minutes. Um, but the other one, which I've always heard on the side of, is I don't know if Des really wants to play him much more because he's consistently been a 45 to 49 minute player this year. And last year he averaged bang on 50 minutes. And it, it seems to me that he, people could be expecting the next couple of weeks he plays big minutes, but he comes out and plays 48 minutes again. And you just sort of get that real average sort of mid, mid 50s to maybe 65 if he has a good game. You know, he's got a high score of 66 this year. He's, He's not setting the world on fire, but 410k, I mean, it's, it's, it might be worth the pun if you can't afford some of the other top-range front-row forwards. Yeah, I I said this like, and I've said it about him and cop some abuse because people think that super coach scores equate to being a good NRL player. <laughs> uh, he's he The problem with him it, playing is because he's so big and muscular, like... He he doesn't have the the build of these new younger fellas coming in that are a bit agile and um they've got big motors. If if you watch him, he he puts in more in attack because he can he's strong. He can force an offload. He loves running the ball more. But come defence, he's sort of like um uh, Lane in that he doesn't move really well laterally, and then um. You can blame the the edges for teams and you say, oh, he missed these tackles and blah, blah, blah. But if your forwards aren't sliding or moving enough in the centre of the field, it, it, it adds that extra stress onto your outside men and makes it harder for them to defend as well. And for me, he just seems to um, not be not read that as well or not put in all those that extra effort to slide when it really matters. Like, obviously, you can sort of move across and amble across when the play is slow, but when it's really mattering and teams are running at you with depth and pace, 
he gets caught out too much. And I've, I've been saying that for years, even though I have had him in my team before, because he can pop off loads and he can push off a tackle, which is counted as a broken tackle and super coach scores of 80 or whatever. But he just, in, in real life watching him, he, he can, if he gets gassed like Lane, he's a, um, he's a liability for the side. So I, I don't, like, I can totally understand why his minutes have been dropping over the last few years. He's 30 as well, so it's not like he's young anymore. And I just sort of think that Des, Des knows everything that you just said, and he just doesn't think that he's going to be able to do what he needs him to do in, in much higher minutes. So, um, having said that, maybe he doesn't need any more minutes. He, he has struggled to get to a 50 base. Um, if you take out his injury affected game, he's still not a 50 base. I see the, the value in people doing it. Um, I'd probably rather save up and just get your keeper in. Like, I did that with Paulo just to have Paulo and House there and I just don't have to worry about it again. I, I'd rather do, I'd rather do that even if you've got to wait an extra week or so. But if you decided that you can't do that or your team's in disarray, there's a bit of value there. I prefer to go to the second row though for the last value guy we're going to touch on. Um, and this is a guy that people have been trading out. And there's been a lot of people saying, wow, how disappointing is, is really army kick out? And it's like, well, I, I get a little bit surprised because like if, if you got Billy Kikau in expecting him to be, you know, like a, a Gerbo or a Cam Murray where they're doing all this work and they, they're getting these great base, base stats and whatever, I think you got him for the wrong reason. You're getting him in for his, his base attack and his scoring. And he, he's a guy that scored four out of eight games this year. He scored a try. That's what you got him for. So when you got those type of guys, you know, the last two weeks he hasn't scored a try and he's scored 50, 45 and 53. It's really not that bad. Um, so I've actually got him on my watch list. I, I can't bring him in this week, although I would consider it if I didn't have other things going on. But he's got a 74B and he's 475K. Very reasonable to think he might be 450K next week. Now, when he's 450K and he's playing the Cowboys, the Titans, and then tougher games against Manly and Canberra, but then hitting the Warriors and the Sharks and the Tigers and the Broncos, that's a couple of months where... You could see a heap of line breaks and tries for, for Billy Kikia. Um And I'm actually quite interested. So I don't really understand why teams are trading him out at the moment. You know, you would have thought they would have traded him out when he was closer to 600k if they were going to dump him. But do you think that I'm a bit crazy for looking at him? Or do you see him as a bit of a bench, you know, X-factor type of secondary forward that we could look at for a run here? Nah, he's... The only, the only issue with him is, is, like, you watch him and he always seems to, like be down, hobbling, holding on to something, or you you know what I mean? Like, oh, his leg or his knee. But then he gets up and plays. And, I mean, the, apart from that first game where um, he only played 40 minutes against the Roosters, he's always been over 55 minutes. And particularly his last lot of games from round five against Parra, he played 80, 68 against the Storm, 72 against South, and 80 against the Tigers. So... He's getting the minutes on the field, um, and like you said, um, a 66 against New Zealand, and then you get Parr and Melbourne, two good defensive teams. South have, have, have been better defensively, and um, I think that was when, did they play South without Cleary? Uh, no, Cleary came back for that one, but I mean, he was he was underdone though, so I mean, and that's the, the point, like Cleary's missed a, bit, a fair few of those games too, and even when he just came back, you can discount the fact that Cleary's getting acclimatised to the season again. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, 
I I can't see why you'd trade him out when he's got on on deck Sharks, Cowboys, Titans. Like, definitely not the time to be trading him out. Yeah, that Titans edge, like that could be his. He's going to get a ton this year, and I think it's a couple of weeks away against that Titans edge. Like that's what I want him for, really. I want him for that Titans game. So and, oh, and I think it looks good. Yeah, the, and the rest of his draw's not bad. Like, like you said, Manly are scratchy, but who knows what Manly team show up. Canberra aren't like we all thought they were going to be good and they're decent, but they're not the side they were last year. Then New Zealand Sharks, Tigers, Broncos, strong para team, North Queensland and Bulldogs. So he's someone you could like. If if I had him in now, I'd probably just be carrying him right through to the end of the year. Yeah, and that Bulldogs game, that's the grand final week. So, I mean, you saw Crichton go over for two tries untouched. He didn't even get tackle breaks because no one could touch him on that Bulldogs edge. Kicker could do that very comfortably as well in grand final week. So, oh yeah, I'm looking at him as an investment to um, to be on the bench as a rotation guy in the next two weeks for the duration. And, and I think it might be a bit of a pod, pod play to do that. But speaking of pod plays, we've got one guy on our pod list, and that is DCE. So... DC is an interesting halves option because obviously no turbo at the moment. Um, he's going to get a lot of responsibility. He always goes under the radar, DC. He's only got a 7BE at the moment, but he's only going to cost you 450k. So for those that were upset that they've lost so much value in Moses, you could straight swap him to DCE. He's coming off 99 points against Newcastle, which includes a sin bidding. So it kind of negates the fact that he got a line break try because he got sin binned as well and he still scored 100. 59 the week before, a poor 18, but then he had like 65, 37, 64, 60. So he's been pretty consistent sort of around the 60 mark anyway. Um, he's got the Dragons this week. So that's a pretty good matchup, power, and then he's got the Cowboys. So the next few weeks, particularly this week, if you're looking at a pod halves trade-in, I can see why people are looking at him, and I think that there's a former champion from a couple of years ago that might be trading him in this week, guy. Yeah, mate. I am. Um... <laughs> When you when we were discussing before and you brought his name up, I I um I was I'm actually bringing him in. Um, like you said, there's always been like that, like a Cleary or an SJ or like who, whatever that some somehow sneaks in in um front of him. But if you go back through his stats, like 2019, he finished with a 62 average. Uh, 2018 a 61, and then 2017 a 61. So he's he's like that's that's not too bad as a as a as your halves. So um, he's got the goal kicking. Um, he it, it, I like him better without Turbo there simply because it, the play goes more through him. Like, obviously, Turbo seems to snavel up all the trices and stuff whenever he's playing. But, um, yeah, the, when, when Cherry Evans controls, um, the game, he's definitely a chance of jagging points. And at 450k, I'm, I want to take a chance on him this week. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a good pot option. I mean, I think that the main thing that um, hurts him isn't that he's not a good option as if you're looking for a pot in the halves. I think it's just because you've got Flano and, and Kiri there as other guys that are, albeit a bit more expensive, but, you know, 70 grand or 65 grand more for Cleary, uh, Kiri, sorry. I'd rather just get Kiri in myself. Um, if there wasn't those options, I'd like him a lot more. 
yeah, that that's fair. And like like we like the the Manly's never going to blow anyone off the park like um, the Roosters do. So um, yeah, I don't know. I've got him in at the moment, but I might tweet out if I've locked him in. Come whenever the time needs to be. So let's go on to the games, and we're going to go through these relatively quickly because it was a big trade podcast that we were aiming for, and I think that we've definitely achieved that. Um, game previews, we've got the Roosters and the Cowboys, the first game. Manages to fall on my wedding anniversary, so I've had to postpone the dinner so we can watch it. Um, <laughs> um, but also race the sports bet because I reckon this is the bet of the week. I can't believe it's a minus 12.5 line. With the news... For the teams, uh, Val Holmes looks like he's maybe not going to play. But, uh, I mean, talking about the Cowboys first, Val Holmes is a big casualty. He was put on the wing. I mean, he might not even play. But isn't that a big fall from Grace that Holmes is thrown on the wing and um, the hammer gets recalled to play fullback instead? Look, he, he he's a winger. He, he's just got to accept the fact that you do your best work on the wing. And at the end of the day, uh, that wing is... Generally, they well they used to be just anyone could play there. You chuck them on the end of the line, but now your wingers like a, mainly all really good finishers, and they um, bring the ball back to start your set. So um, it, it, it's the same as like what um, Mitchell is, or even Manu, someone who's that good at a position that's not counted as like someone who's worth a lot of money. If you've got a center like that, I think Manu's the best center in the game. Then I'd pay him to be, like, to to play that position. Like, why would you switch someone from where they're really good to a position that we can just side? And he's a fullback. He should just... He's a winger. He should just accept it. Yeah, I agree. I've said it for years. So I couldn't believe the people that were going crazy about how good he was at fullback before he left for the NFL because it was about a 10-game sample size. And he played fullback before and not been anywhere near that good. So... Uh, I say it all the time that there's these players that have really good runs and sometimes it's not a good player. Like we all know Jack Reed's two month run that he had like five years ago where the immortal Jack Reed like threw up a hundred point average across two months or something. Like he's never done anything close to that again. Yeah. You know, like guys can just go on runs. Oh, I agree with you. Um, I think the Roosters big changes, uh, Orbison starting for Cordner, who's out with concussion. And obviously, like I said, Hall is starting for Tupo. Those are the big outs for the Roosters, aside from the big outs that they had last week. But first up is um, players of interest, I think, were covered in this one. So C and BC options, Guy, what have you got for this one? Uh, Captain Teddy. Captain Teddy. I don't care about vice-captain, Captain Teddy. Well, I've done the same thing, so I'm I'm going Captain Teddy all the way. There's no chance that I cannot do that. And I just think it's a waste to put a VC on him. I just think it's an easy C. Yeah, especially if you've got some guys who can pull some real low scores. I'm just straight captaining. Um, and, and this is how worried I am for the Cowboys. Somehow I've still got um, SR Masters in my side, and even though I've lost money on him, he's gone. I do not want him against <laughs> He He could have a 160 break even after this game. He's not going to do nothing. I've got him in my side too, and I'm going to have to play him, unfortunately, because I just, oh. Oh, I'm just decimated in my center wing at the moment. Yeah. Um, I look, I hope we win 56 to 6, and the 6 <laughs> is, um, Masters going over the try line with eight, 18 tackle breaks or something. Oh. Um, look, if we, if we're talking to people who don't own, um, Teddy, 
is a VC option on Tomalolo worthwhile? Do you think, or no, no, no? If you if you go to VC, like uh, uh, Lolo's just that straight captain option that like you want to take a your VC should be on the, your highest upside players. So your fullbacks or your halves that you think are going to come out and have a, a field day. Lolo doesn't. He's he's not that high upside that 120 130 plus player generally like he's had he might have had a score like that but generally he's around that 70 or 80 so I I just wouldn't waste a VC on someone that that I'm not going to loop and to loop I want at least 110 or 120 plus when I've got like some guys on on the bench who still might throw out a 30. Yeah, no, I agree, mate, 100. percent But uh, I'm going to just say. Forget about the Cowboys altogether in this one. But the other VC option that I find interesting, again, if you don't have Tedesco, um, I could see a Brett Morris hat-trick happening. I, I could really see it. And if the Roosters really put him to the sword, like maybe he's an off chance to throw up a Seabay Quaddy. Yeah, especially on that left. If he does shift to that left-hand side uh, and you've got him, I'd be vice-captain into him. Yep, I think it's a great call. Uh, pod captaincy, I'm going to say... If I didn't have Teddy, and I was, especially if I was chasing the Pod Angus captain, um, I'd smash that this week. I reckon as well. I think that it, it might not work out, but if it doesn't, you, you'll get sixty-five or something. But uh, I, I could see a Bulldogs type game of this um, with Angus. Nah, for me, for me, if it's no captain Teddy, it'd be vice captain Brett Morris or the halves if you got him. Fair enough. Uh, 56 to 6 sounded good to me. I'm going to stick with that. What do you see it going as? Um, the Roosters will cover 20 points. Yeah, and look, if you really want to, um, we like to give some free sports pit promos occasionally. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to really go for a big one, uh, $5.50 for the Roosters to win by 30 or more on sports pit, which I found pretty, pretty crazy oh, odds. That. that sounds all right, actually. Although Thursday nights, uh, uh, it's worth a lash. Uh, maybe thirty-four to six, go for minus twenty-seven and a half, and take the four dollars seventy-five then. But let's move on for the next one: Titans Warriors, future grand final blockbuster. I'm sure <laughs> there's not a there's not a hell of a lot to talk about in this one. Um, so we'll go through it real quick. I. The only thing that I will say, as far as VC and C options and guys that we haven't spoken about, is if for some reason you are a team, maybe you're a zombie team that hasn't played for three weeks and you want to get back into the game, and you have Roger Tuovasa-Shek there, if he's ever going to come in and play a big game, it might be this week. Uh, If you've still got him in your side, you're done for. (laughs) I actually, I think it'll be a pretty, I I don't know who we'd pick out of this one. I I think I'm going to lean with the Titans only because I think they're doing a bit more with the ball and they're going to be playing there. So I think that they'll win in a close one. Yeah, I'll take the Titans too. So moving along, we've got the Rabbits and the Tigers as the next one. Um, Now, with the changes in this one, Braden Burns, did you see his, his knee last week? Very, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it's, oh, I feel for him, hey, like, he just comes back, starts looking good and gone again. Yeah, he's gonna be gone for the year. As soon as you dislocate your kneecap, it's gonna be, it's gonna be big time on the sidelines. For the Tigers, 
Leilua is out, replaced by Cheekham, as we mentioned. Um, the interchange bench does have Chris Lawrence on it. Now, there's been talk that maybe Lawrence would go in on, and take Cheekham's thunder. So that's another reason to wait a week on him if you don't want to take the risk, or at least don't do your trades until you get to the actual game. Um, but I'd be surprised because Lawrence can't even handle playing on the edge. I don't think he's going to handle playing at centre anymore. Those are the main changes. Um, as far as C and BC options in this one, I mentioned Latrell's stat of 161 points against the Tigers before. Um, that might be an interesting VC because Latrell could turn up and throw 115 down, and I could see that happening if the Tigers don't turn up. Equally, though, guy, you know, the Rabbits can play really badly, and I could see Nofo just going in with all his energy and stuff and out enthusing everyone and end up with a double somehow, probably a, maybe even a hat-trick and getting like an intercept like he likes to do as well. Um, yeah, possibly. I've got... I'd, I'll take the Rabbits one to twelve and probably the under. Um, I just, I just, I touched on this last week and um, Wilfred, he sort of um, didn't agree with me, but I just want to talk about Nofo for a minute, if you don't mind. Go for it. So um, I, I went through, I, I looked him up real quick, and in here's some of his scores. All right, so he's gone. 109 against the Dragons, 59 against the Knights, which is, is acceptable. 88 versus the Sharks, 96 versus Gold Coast, 49 versus Canberra. So you'd want more than that if you're paying over 600k for him. A 78 versus North Queensland, 116 versus the Bulldogs, and a 40 versus Penrith. Now, I'll throw the Knights in there because, I mean, the 59's all right, but compared to those other scores that he's got, it's not great. So those three teams that he's played have decent defense. Um, they they put pressure on um, the halves quicker. And I, I particularly watched Penrith and the Tigers last week just because I wanted to see if I was right. And Penrith were putting a lot of pressure on their halves and they weren't getting enough clean early ball out to the wing, which no foe needs. So my issue with Nofo is, if you want to bring him in as one of your keepers, is I don't think against those better teams you're going to get those 88s, 96s, 78s. I think you might need to settle for a bit lower. And if you want to bring him in now, I think he's overpriced. If you look at their run, like South it could go either way. He might have an easier game against the Broncos, those stags, and that might be back too. But then Para, New Zealand, Newcastle, Bulldogs. Then he has a run of Roosters, Penrith, Manly, South, Melbourne, Para. I don't think I'd want to finish a season with Nofo, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I can see that. I've, I think I've only owned him once. So I, I'm not... I like Nofo, but I like him for his runs. I, haven't, I don't think that he's proved his reliability yet, but I, he's come close. He has played really well this year. I can't disagree with you, mate. I... I actually am on board with that, so I'm not going to cut you down at the knees like Wilfred. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to bring that up. I said I'd have a look this like on the last pod with Wilfred. I said I'd have a look this week and report on it, and then sure enough, he comes up with a forty against a pretty good defensive side. So, uh, well, they're getting better defensively, and it was a good defensive performance from Penrith. So. Um, makes me a little bit nervous if if people wanted like I'd I'd rather chase Brett Morris at that price than um, Nofaluma. Yeah, I think the technical term for it in footy is downhill skier. 
<laughs> um, I, I don't rate the rabbits very much, though, so I didn't know if they were go right this week. But I, I, I think that if you're holding Latrell, it's a good VC moment in this one. Uh, I see the rabbits winning, though, mate. I, I like your one to twelve, though. That's two eighty-eight on sports bet. Just quietly, I've already gotten on that one. Yeah, one to twelve and under seven fifty-five game at Bank West. I know they um, re-turf the joint, and it's a bit better, but still, it's an eight o'clock game. Um, Sharkies versus Penrith is the next one. Now, Sharkies, you know, they're never going to win the Men of Steel award. They've got Dugan replacing Matt Moylan at fullback because he's done another hamstring. That's irony in in itself. But they've got Bryson Goodwin moving from the wing to the centre to replace Dugan, which I I do not understand. And Militalo coming on to the wing for Goodwin. Um, For the Panthers, Brian Tuo has done his ankle and he's out for a couple of months, which is a shame. Uh, Replaced by Naden. Uh, which means Dean Vare returns. So, interesting game, this one. Um, I am someone who straight seed SJ last week, and I was reasonably happy once the second half finished, but at the end of the first half, I was livid, to say the least. I was pretty worried. Yeah, well, it ended up better than Ponga. Um, I wouldn't vice-captain either Cleary. Uh, I'd probably, if I had a choice, I'd vice-captain Cleary. Um... Vice-Captain Cleary, I, would, I wouldn't touch SJ this week. Um, I, Penrith will win, and they'll probably cover 13 late in the game. Yeah, I should say, last week, the Sharks' first half was abysmal. Like, it was really, really awful. And the, I don't know if you noticed this. Like, I don't know if you watch Channel 9 or Fox, but on Fox, mate, I could not handle Corey Parker saying what a great half Jack Williams had had. He had about two penalties and dropped about five balls. And even at the end of the game, he was talking about, geez, Jack Williams played a good game. It's good that he's back on the field for the last 15, 20 minutes. He was terrible. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, mate, some of these commentators, uh, like, even though they are old players, just, yeah, I don't understand it. Generally, I'd, like, I don't mind listening to a few of them, like Mick Ennis I like, but some of them just carry on. Well, the Sharkies looked really bad last week, I thought. So if the Panthers turn up that have played well against the good teams and the Sharks do what they did last week, Panthers could win by 20-plus in this. Um, as it turns out, I, I sort of agree with you. I, I wouldn't be VC probably anyone in this aside from Nathan Cleary. Uh, I, I would maybe VC Cleary if you've got a strong C option afterwards. I don't mind that play at all because I think there is Panthers thrashing potential. Um, as it stands, I'll probably go for a 32-18 type of Penrith win, I reckon. So, Broncos Dogs is the next one. Um, and this is this might be a battle to see who's going to end up last after this game, which is something that you wouldn't have thought would have been happening at this point of the season a year ago. But with the changes made, it's, it's very Anthony Seabold, isn't it, to say that we're going to make changes, we're going to have a look at things... We've got to make people accountable and all this sort of stuff. And then apparently one or two blokes got up and said, oh, I really want to make amends again, which has been said for two months. <laughs> and no one gets dropped. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I feel Stags is going to be a late in, so um, someone will. Rumour has it it's going to be Osako. Um, I'll... 
I'd, I'd still drop... Oh, no. Well, Boyd's been defending all right, but he just doesn't offer that much. Some, but someone has to go for stags. You need him in there. Um, I'll actually take the Broncos. Um, definitely unders and 1-12. to 12. Yeah, I mean, Tavita Pengai's moving into prop. Um, that's an interesting one to talk about with Oates moving back into the second row. I kind of see that as maybe Oates playing 60 minutes in the second row and Tavita covering maybe 20 minutes on the edge. Do you kind of see Tavita still playing good minutes because of that? Or how do you sort of see the prop move yeah, changing has, him? Yeah, it has to. I don't like Oates in the forwards at all. You could have so, stopped that sentence that I don't like Oates and I would have agreed with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that, yeah that's, that's probably not. Like, Pengai, at the moment, you, if you're trying to battle your way out, you need your best players on the field for as much as possible, and he's definitely that. So, yeah, I could see that happening. He'll still get minutes, Pengai, for sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because I mentioned that the, the Bulldogs' edges are quite weak and that, um, that how Crichton did them badly a few weeks ago. It's a bit of a shame that Pengai's not going to get his 80 minutes on the edge because I think that he could have been pretty damaging in this game. Uh, and he hasn't, he's been one of those guys where it's a bit funny, he hasn't scored as well um, playing in the middle as what he has on the edge because of his attack. Yeah, and I mean, this game too, I think Elliot's out, isn't he? Yeah, Elliot's out with his shoulder. He's replaced with Luke Thompson. So despite the fact that everyone, well, so, so many more people than me think that Adam Elliott's good and I don't. Um, Luke Thompson's got huge wraps on him, so I reckon that's going to be a big upgrade for them. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't rate Adam Elliott greatly, but he he can tackle. He does shore it up a little bit. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Thompson. It could definitely be an upgrade, but yeah, a scrappy game unders, and I'll, I'm going to lean Broncos. I think they have to snap it eventually, and a 5:30 game Suncorp Stadium sounds as good as any. Yeah, for sure. Luke Thompson's a big watch. I've seen, um, uh, I think Supercoach needed something to give themselves some PR or something. So they went out with the propaganda of um, Luke Thompson on the front of an article and, and maybe he's a buy or consideration. He's obviously not going to change any any price for a couple of weeks. So it's a good two weeks to have a look at him at around 450k. I'm surprised that he's starting. I thought he would have come off the bench for a couple of weeks because he doesn't, even Super League fitness is an NRL fitness and he hasn't even been playing. But it's, it's a good free look for a couple of weeks. Um, I'm with you though, guy. I think the Broncos are going to win this one because they can't possibly lose nine in a row. You've, even even the worst team in history gets a win on a long enough timeline. So surely it's the Broncos' time. Let's move on though because it's not a great game. And the next one's a bit better. We've got the Raiders versus Storm. Soliola's out with a facial fracture um, and Emre Gula is out with his ankle. That brings Louie back uh, and Kai O'Donnell makes his debut, but he's coming off the bench. Tuppen is starting at lock after being on the bench last week. Ryan Sutton going back to the bench. Rapana's taking Curtis Spot's place on the interchange. And for the Storm, um, we got Smith back at hooker um, after being in the halves last week. Um, Brandon Smith and Riley Jacks both on the bench. Um, it looks like... Uh, trying to make sense of this late mail, Cameron Munster's on the extended bench. I couldn't possibly see him returning this week, but I had a bit of a dummy spit earlier, and it is about your team. So um, I, I can't stand the Storm and the Raiders, both these teams playing each other, seem to be the main culprits of this, where they seem to put out bullshit um, <laughs> medical stuff, saying someone's out. Oh, this guy's out for seven years, and then next week he's playing. 
like, I, I can't handle it. I don't understand what they're doing. Is is this just a ruse because, you know, Bellamy's playing games with his mate Stewart, or do you think Munster's a genuine chance? Just just a good medical team down there. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I think... Um, I think it, I think he'll miss the game. Um, I, with no origin, or, well, which he would have been picked for origin, would have played anyway, but... I think they'll give him the two weeks off it and um, see how he pulls up for next week. I, I can't see him playing this week. Yeah, I, well, I thought that, but just, as someone who had to sell him last week after trading him in the same week, um, it's you know I, I was pretty angry seeing him on the extended bench. I just didn't want him there. A uh, bit of a tough matchup this one. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't be looking at a C or a VC, and it's pretty late for a VC now, um, but. I really looked at this and didn't know what way it was going to go, and I sort of thought that it probably wasn't going to be a super coach friendly game. No, and they never are. Canberra and Melbourne's never are. Um, Canberra's like obviously looking to play like that now. The Storm and Melbourne's power up the middle and then spread it later. But um, I'm just because of that game versus the Roosters. Melbourne lifted for that game. Their intensity level was up. I'm probably leaning the Raiders on this one, especially at GIO Stadium. Um, probably Raiders by one to six. Yeah, it'll be close. Um, I tend to think the same. I mean, you guys went to Golden Point with us and um, obviously put in a lot and played well, so it might be a bit hard to back that up against the Raiders. The guy that I'll mention, though, in this one, we didn't mention in our um, list of trade targets, but um, someone that I am watching quietly, 63BE, 585K as a pod, front row forward. Josh Papali, with all the injuries that um, the Raiders' pack's got now, you know, they've obviously got Solidar out of the middle. They've got Horsburgh already out of the middle, both long-term. Someone like Papali who's only been playing, you know, 50-odd minutes, 50 to 55 type of thing, mostly. He starts to become appealing if if Stewart has to lean on him and play sixty five minutes this week. Uh, I'm going to start to look at him in two weeks' time. Yeah, fair call. I I can't argue with that. We we talk about him a fair bit. Not we we don't because we we mentioned him a fair bit at the start, so we've gone off him. But he's a try scoring front rower and a definite pot option. Uh, Tappany looks like that he's going to play big minutes now too, so he might be the other guy that um. The benefits. It's a little bit of a shame that someone like Ryan Sutton didn't just get to play um, named a prop this week just to just to take a heap of minutes um, rather than Louis coming back is relevant because someone like Sutton could have you know doubled his minutes and, and all of a sudden became a bit relevant as a mid sort of cow. But it looks like that's not going to happen for us because Stuart hates supercoats. He said it before. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I don't really. Tarpanay for me, I'm not a big fan, so I could understand, but nah, not for me. Well, I got him and I'm going to have to play him this week, but so I'm hoping that the Raiders win and that he scores a try or makes 80 tackles either way. It'll be fine. Knights versus Eels is the next one, and this is another pretty good game, actually. Caelan Ponga has been named, but there's been some male who's in a little bit of doubt, so it's going to be interesting to see what Wacko's Whispers says. Towards the end of this week, um, we've got Tex Hoy replacing Edric Lee. It's going to be interesting as well if that remains. If it does, watch for Sevo to go ballistic. Uh, Guerra's in the back row, starting again for Metautia. Um, we've got 
a bench of Stafford Toa, who is a highly, highly rated outside back for the Knights and can play on the wing for sure. So that could possibly be the late change um, with him going on for Tex Hoy. For the Eels, Nathan Brown's back, um, pushing the core to the bench. And popular um, cheapie from the um, preseason, I'm going to pronounce this terribly wrong, so I'll apologise. Yuta Kamanu is on the bench, um, earning his debut. So, pretty good game, this one. Um, obviously, it's a hard one to put a VC or C on, and I think it might be a tight affair, so I'm not keen on it. But was there anyone that you sort of saw as... You know, do you think Madison's still a safe C option in this one, or do you sort of think that you'd steer clear of it? Nah, I'd steer clear of Maddo. Like, well, Moses is out. Um, Gutho can't pass left to right near as good as he passes right to left. Um, yeah, I think I'd be steering clear of any vice captains or captains in this game. And um, I'd, I'd probably, I reckon Parrish should win, but maybe. I reckon an eight-point margin. Yeah, it's a pretty close one. Um, I think that Caelan Pong will bounce back. If he plays this, I can't see him not scoring 60-plus again. Um, but he's obviously going to drop a heap of cash. One guy I will just give a shout-out to, before he got suspended again for maybe the 15th time this year, was Nathan Brown. Um, I After his last game when he returned from his last suspension, I, I was really impressed with Nathan Brown, and I actually thought he might have been a downgrade option because... He was only 520k, um, which is relatively cheap, and he's coming off his last two games of 69 and 95 points, and that was against Penrith and the Roosters, and he looked like the Nathan Brown of old, averaging 60-plus minutes. I really like the look of him. Um, I, I can't do it now. There's obviously obviously the big risk there where he's probably going to get suspended again in two weeks. He's a bit like Pangai, but... If you're looking at a, um, a pod cut price guy around that 500k mark, he deserves a mention, and I'm going to be watching him this week to see if he continues that form on from round five and six. Yeah, not a bad shout. Um, and the moving on to the final game, we've got the Dragons and the Seagulls. Now, we've got Tariq Sims back from um, injury with his wrist. That means Fui Mano has been largely disappointing, goes back to the bench, and Corbin Sims is out. Hunt is playing hooker from the bench over the last few weeks, but he's actually going to get a start at nine with McInnes switching to lock and Merrin bench, which is big news. Um, and then we've got Jordan Pereira placing Jason Saab on the wing. We've only got the one change with the Seagulls with Paseka um, going in for AFB. But let's talk about the Dragons. There's a couple of things that really stand out here for me with these changes. One, Jason Saab's asked for about five, I think, releases at the moment. And they've declined them all and finally given the poor kid a start. And then they replaced him with Jordan Pereira a week later after he scored 50 super coach points and I thought looked pretty well. And the other thing too is that Ben Hunt was doing all right off the bench, but McInnes is their best player. And now McInnes has been pushed out of his preferred position to play. Looks like a complete game at lock. It it, it just smells like Mary McGregor's the coach of this team. Um, yeah, he... he... He's all over the shop, and he looks like he's um, it looks like he's trying to um, do anything to save his job. I, I, do you know what? I, I don't mind um, if he if he's going to play an eighty minute game at hooker though. I don't mind having a, a Ben Hunt. I think he's um, I, I don't think he's uh, priced too high at the minute. I think he might even be down at like four hundred k himself. Yeah, you know what? I actually gave him a shout before the Gold Coast game. 
um, and sort of said, you know, he could come on and, and smash the Gold Coast, and he scored 23 points. So I felt pretty stupid saying it, but um, he's now only 384k. So if you wanted to have a downgrade to a guy that um, that might have a bit of upside, Ben Hunt's a pretty good shout from you. Yeah, um, obviously, I'd, I mean, the run's pretty tough. You've got Manly, Bulldogs, Sharks, Souser. That's, that's not too bad. But then you run into like a round 13 and 14 game, Roosters and Para before you hit back to Broncos, Gold Coast, North Queensland. So you've got those two hard games sandwiched in there. But um, if he's getting 80 minutes at hooker, I, I honestly don't mind him. Um, I think, yeah, Sub, they just need to release him. Um, I, I don't really like McInnes if he's playing a full game at lock. Um, what do you think the impact's going to be on him moving to lock? Because that's what a lot of owners are worried about at the moment. Like, I, I'm wondering whether he doesn't play 80 and they actually look at a 60-minute role for him or something like that, which which would just kill him if that's the case. Um, yeah, a 60-minute role would kill him, but the only thing I've, I think about that is, like, um, he gets through his tackles at, um, at hooker too and he's defending in the middle, so... Um, tackling, he should be fine. It, it'd just be, um, his runs. And I mean, he's chasing around tackled players, but it, it just that getting up, getting down, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think he could play 80 minutes there. Um, I think he'd, he's probably, he'd probably take a bit more of a batter into his body simply because, um, if you're, if you're running onto the ball from, Say you're playing lock, you're running onto the board. It's a bit different than going for a scamper out from hooker in the impact wise. So it'll be interesting to see him, but I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, I wouldn't be bringing him in now. I'd, I'd not, I wouldn't bring him in if he's playing lock until you have a good cider of him anyway. Yeah, look, he's the first three games back, he went 89, 82, and 111, and he had ridiculous base. He didn't have base below 70. And then the last three games, he's gone 58, 64, and 78. And his base was 54, 64, and 70. So well below his first three games on his average base. I think that we've seen the last three rounds, which is still a respectable 67-point average, is much more what McInnes is probably going to bring now than his 75-point average his first three games. So, yeah, yeah. And, and that was always going to be the case, wasn't it? I mean, he averaged 68 points a game last year. He was never going to build on that. No, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm worried. I'd be worried about him as an as an owner if I did have him like you. Though uh, I tell you, as an ex forward, McInnes is the guy in the other pack that you're yelling at to take a hit up because you'd rather be nailing him than some of the other big props and stuff. So he's the guy that he's the guy that you're going to be aiming up on and you're going to be smashing. And it's a lot harder to make seventy tackles a game if you're getting belted by the whole forward pack of the opposition taking these hit ups that he's going to have to take. So I'd be watching and seeing. Um, but I tell you what, if he puts up a couple of fifties the next couple of weeks, he's going to drop. A, he's going to start leaking cash, and I would not be at all worried watching him this week and next week if that happens to to trade him to someone else, especially if I don't own Negus Crichton in a couple of weeks' time or something like that. Yeah. So, where, who do you think is going to win this one, mate? Because I've got absolutely no idea here. Um, I'm actually going to take the Dragons, but. It'll it'll be closer than obviously closer than twelve points, but I'd just go dragons one to twelve. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty good shout. Um, Two dollars thirty for Ravalawa to score any time. I reckon that's insane value for this one. Yeah. Um, and Lomax is out for this, actually, potentially, as well. That's the other news that we probably should mention to people, to, especially being last game. Yeah, that's not, that's not good. Well, I don't have him, but um, the last game when it could possibly out, especially when he's been scoring so well, um, that might change, too, because he's been a big part of how the Dragons have been playing. I always thought watching him as a junior, he looked better as a fullback, but he's playing good in the centres. Um yeah, I'd I'd probably still lean the Dragons, but that that's a toss up. The um the fact AFB's gone and um these guys are still running off a bit of um like just that raw emotion of losing Turbo. It's got to run out at some stage. Um, playing that gritty, so I think the Dragons might be able to get up on them. Yeah, well they've got to eventually, so I'll, I'll go with that as well. Uh, and that's going to finish us off. So, Bear, the combined champions and all-stars podcast. I think it went down a treat. You got rid of Wilfred for a week. You got to jump on. Thanks for doing it. It was um, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Um, thanks for having me on. Hopefully, I might be able to do it again sometime in the future. Definitely, mate. We'll get you on again. Good luck this week, and, and thanks for jumping on again. Yeah, good luck to you too. So, everyone, you can download us on uh, either SoundCloud or on iTunes. Had had some people uh, mention Spotify. We'll probably try and get up on Spotify soon as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. You can also follow the champions on Twitter as well. And I believe that Wilfred will work on his holiday and get this uh, shared around to the champions listeners and up potentially for you to download for the champions as well because it is a joint podcast that we're doing together this week. Um, so good luck with your captaincies and everything. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to both of us. Champions is a great podcast. Uh, I listen to it as well. So does Billy. Uh, get as much into you as you can. There's about six really good podcasts out there. But until next week, good luck with everything, and hopefully everyone scores 15,000 points.